Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Happy Friday, everyone. It is Sabres Live, and it's a long weekend, we hope, for everyone in our listening and viewing area. And yes, we will not be returning until Tuesday, so that means a lot of yard work ahead for Marty Baran, and (laughs) I would like pictures when your yard work is complete so we know exactly the type of effort you put in from a labor standpoint this weekend. Well, I'll tell you this, Duffer. When my little toy poodle, who's about eight and a half, nine pounds, has to hop in the grass right now to move from one place to another, uh, <laughs> it's because it's getting a little long. But um, yes, as uh, the uh, what's the insurance commercial that says uh, we try not to to uh, try not to turn out like your parents or talk like your parents? Progressive. Like when, okay, progressive. When when I'm thinking, I'm like. I really got to get the grass cut because last week I stayed an extra couple of days in Kentucky and I was my time window when I came back to do it. And then it rained and then I couldn't do it. And now it's really getting long. That's me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm becoming my parents. I'm becoming my dad. My dad be like, yeah, okay. So Thursday I'm going to cut the grass at nine 30 so that I'm done by noon because then I'm going to golf at 1230. And it's like, everything has to be really planned. So yeah, that's my weekend. I'm looking ahead to is uh, yard work extravaganza. So back when your dad wasn't your dad yet, the Sabres were getting started as a franchise, as were the Vancouver Canucks, expansion cousins, if you will. Some would say siblings. I think cousins is the more appropriate term because they are separate ownership after all. Um, Remember the spin of the wheel? Remember as we look into our teams of the day and start with Vancouver? You know, I unearthed some um, something I obviously didn't know today. when looking back at how it all began, not not the spin of the wheel. I mean, the spin of the wheel was the greatest uh, stroke of good fortune this Buffalo yes. franchise could have ever had, as it ultimately allowed them to take Gilbert Perot, and then, um, you know, the rest is history, as they say. But how many times do you think Buffalo and Vancouver faced off against each other in the first couple of years? In the first couple of years, I would think probably four times, five times at most. Six. Six, okay. In the first year, six times in the second year. No way. Times in the fourth year, even when the league had expanded to 16 teams at that point. Okay. That is insane from a travel standpoint. Remember, this was not luxurious travel back in the day. And yeah, Vancouver handed it to Buffalo a couple of times early on to get their first ever rivalry started. Since that point in time, they've been 
pretty much dead even. Uh, the Sabres and Canucks, Buffalo 53, 55, and 20 all-time against Vancouver, uh, but they have defeated them twice in postseason play back in 1980 and 81, both in preliminary round matchups, the Sabres. How about this? In 1980, this just... Every time I revisit it, for whatever reason, it gets worse and worse and worse <laughs> from the standpoint of how great the team was and how they just didn't win that year. Buffalo yeah. was the two seed in, tw- in 1980. It was yeah. two versus 15. The only team that was better in the regular season was the Philadelphia Flyers, who had a 35-game unbeaten streak that yeah. year. Buffalo ended the season on a 14-game point streak which is their still longest in franchise history and they also had only two losses in the final 25 games unbelievable how good this team was they were light years ahead of everybody in goals against that season they beat vancouver in the first round they would go on to the stanley cup semifinals and lose to the islanders but that's kind of you know that's these are the origins of buffalo and vancouver and and you know we were joking off air about mirror images Let's look at these franchises respectively. 53 seasons. Buffalo has made the postseason 29 times. Been to the cup final twice. No cups. Vancouver, 53 seasons. They've been to the playoffs 28 times. Three trips to the final. No cups. There are a lot of similarities on both sides of the continent here when it comes to these expansion cousins. Again, uh, maybe making the point that uh, one through 16 in the playoffs and mixing the East and the West is probably not a good thing. So the Sabres start the 1980 playoffs by playing Vancouver, have to travel all the way to the West Coast, right? And look, it's fine, but it's not the travel that you have now. You look at the New York Islanders, who actually... Um, did the same thing. I'm looking, they played LA in the first round. Like, how weird is that that you have to travel all the way out? But well, I have the a great second story round for that one. Huh? I have a great story for that one. Because the New York that... Islanders LA series? Yeah. So that was the year they consummated the Butch Goring trade. Okay. And Butch Goring was, of course, thought of in hindsight as the piece. The right? piece, yeah, because the missing piece. Remember, they they had been, the Islanders had been to the semifinals four times in the yep. previous five years. I did a sit-down interview with Dave Lewis, former Red Wings coach, former LA King, but former Islander who went the other way in the trade. He said when that series started, he was like having an out-of-body experience in the pregame warm-up. He's skating around thinking, why am I not on the other side? Like the odds of LA and the Islanders meeting in the first round, to your point, right? And it was just after this trade deadline deal had happened. He said it was the most bizarre thing he had ever been through. And then, of course, he had to watch as the Islanders would finally and go four on. Four in a row. Yeah, yeah they, they won four in a row. And Butch Goring was a big part of that. And now you think of Butch Goring, all-time Islanders, right? Like, how great is Butch Goring? Works for their TV crew. He's 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 been an Islander since 1980. It's been 43 mm-hmm. years, and he will be another Islander for many more. But you're right. Like, But the fact that it was 1 through 16 allowed the Sabres to play Vancouver in the first round. And then the Sabres to have to play Chicago in the second round. It was a four-game sweep in a, a best-of-seven series. So, um, you know, that would never happen again. Play two yeah. teams in the West. And in 1980, as you mentioned, the travel wasn't the same. So, but going back to the spin of the wheel, 
Um, it's kind of funny. If you go on Wikipedia right now, there's a great picture of Gilbert. It looks like it was taken by a fan on a nice little Polaroid after a game. And Gilbert's in a suit and a jacket and kind of like, eh, you know, caught by surprise. But you look at his last junior year um, in 1969-70, he had 121 points in 54 games, 51 of these goals. He was the he was the prize, right? Like you spin the wheel because you knew you were getting Gilbert Perot. Now, Dale Talon was a really good player as well. He went number two to Vancouver, but Gilbert Perot was the guy. He was the guy you wanted. Now, Reggie Leach went third. Good player. Rick McLeish went fourth. Great player. Daryl Sittler went eighth. Great player. And there's been great players in that in that draft, but getting Gilbert Perot was the ultimate prize. And when the wheel stopped and you see the number one, and you're like, oh, number one is Vancouver, but then there's a one underneath it that made it the number 11, which is fitting for Gilbert. That was a Sabres number, and they got to uh, get the prize. Yeah, and that's why I kind of laughed when I saw that Vancouver spanked them the first couple of games that they went head-to-head because you had to know there was extra motivation based on how you know the media attention would have been, the Sabres winning the the great prize of Perot. They ended up the season series that year, splitting the six games. And uh, as we mentioned, they've, they've been very, very, very similar ever since. Um, man, it's hard to you think. You want to know Who- something incredible? I'm looking yeah. at the 1970 draft right now. There was 115 players picked. How many Canadians? How many Americans? Sorry, 115? Yes. Oh, there would have been 96 Canadians. 111 Canadians, four Americans. I should have bet the over. <laughs> you should have bet the over. But it's <laughs> that's what it was like. Like If you drafted in the 70s and even for a part in the 80s, it was only Canadians. Now, obviously, you got Russians, Czechs, Slovaks. You got Swedes, Finns. You got all the nationalities. But the American players mm-hmm. have now gone up to be about as, as many players getting drafted as Canadians. It was 111 to 4 in 1970 when Gilbert was drafted. Well, I think, you know, to the point of 1980 and how great that Sabres team was, second overall, Danny knew it too. He's talked about this extensively. It really does, you know, now all these years later for me, reinforce why I was so into hockey at the time. The February Miracle on Ice pulled me in to USA Hockey fandom. I was at, yeah. I was eight years of age. I then, you know, in the eyes of many, betrayed my country for the rest of my life because I'd always <laughs> cheer for the United States in hockey yeah. because of that. But and, you know, and again, you cite part of this on lack of television coverage the rest of the time, but I was clearly reading the newspaper every day and listening to the radio. Um, the Sabres were so good. So, like, for me at eight years old, like, this team is rattling off massive win streaks. They're at the top of the standing. Yeah. Perot's at the top of his game. The U.S. win the gold. Mike oh. Ramsey and Rob McClanahan come from that team to join the Sabres at the end of the year when the mm-hmm. playoffs begin. You can see how this love affair with the game and with the teams starts, right? Like it just, it has to hit you in the right moment. And I think it's very easy for me now, like looking back to think of, wow, that must've been like information overload as an eight-year-old. I must've been like walking around just beaming at being able to enjoy hockey so much at that age. It was, it was really remarkable. And and incredible feat though. 
to only lose one of their last 18 games, right? And it was a 4-2 oh, yeah. loss to the Rangers. But the, you look at the uh, the amount of ties, though. They had six ties in that 14-game point streak mm-hmm. at the end of the year, uh, which you don't have. That draft that year, the 1979 draft leading into the 79-80 season, Mike Ramsey, you mentioned, Lindy Ruff. Jacques Cloutier, I mean, that was some players that will have an impact on the Sabres for a long time. So that 79-80 season that led to the 80 playoffs where they beat the Vancouver Canucks was uh, pretty significant in the uh, in Sabres history. We don't talk about it a lot, but it was right. a significant season. They were so talented. The 81 year was uh, was also a very good one. Uh, it was a 5-12 matchup for Buffalo when they met in the preliminary round. Alan Howard scored an OT winner. Um, he was good. Lindy was good. I mean, they just had a lot of balance, even though they weren't constructed the same way as the 1980 team. Um, but yeah, I mean, they had won the division in the regular season that year. It, it, it is fun for me looking back and I'm sure for a lot of our audience, just it, it, it's disappointing in the sense of how many times the Sabres went to the playoffs. They were almost always in the playoffs. So yes. that's good and bad, right? It's very much Atlanta Braves, 1990s esque. You know, they were always good. They were always, 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 always always really good. Right. I mean, even now, like looking at and we'll talk Vegas here coming up in our teams of the day. Like I was going to quiz you like who. okay, which team has been better in the regular season over the history of time, Buffalo or Vancouver? I would say Vancouver. No, Buffalo by like 300 points. Really? Even Even with the last 12 years. Wow. Right. Right. And even with the last 12 years. Like the Sabres still rank incredibly high in league history from a points percentage standpoint. They're top, like they're like tied for 11th. And those two teams are really, because I thought, okay, so Vancouver went to the cup twice in their, in their history, right? Three times. 82, 94, okay. and 2011. So yep. I thought 94, 11, I, I forgot about 82. I'm thinking, okay, so they went there three times the Sabres went there twice uh you know they had incredible players when you think of Pavel Bury and and Kirk McLean and Nat and you know Roberto Luongo and the Sedins and they're like okay they've had incredible players they had to have had so much regular season success mm-hmm. but and I'm surprised that the Sabres have 300 points more than the Vancouver Canucks they had some lowly years. There are no question about that. Um, and let's face it, they quote unquote grew up in the Smythe division. And that yeah, was not which fun. Is not a good when one. You, when you were facing Edmonton <laughs> and Calgary, not to mention Winnipeg with Dale Howarchuk, another team that simply couldn't get over the hump because of how good Edmonton and Calgary were. Vancouver took their lickings because of all that for a long time, you know, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it, the eighties. The eighties were a tough decade for the Vancouver Canucks, probably. And then it, uh, you know, you <laughs> yeah. talk about eighty-two making it into the finals, but then after that, it uh, oh, was that Harry Neal in eighty-two. Yes, well, Roger Nielsen with the Roger white Nielsen towel with the yeah. white flag. Harry Neal yeah. still to this day talks about how he opened the door for Roger Nielsen because he got suspended in Quebec City after mm-hmm. a fan basically slapped one of his players across the helmet. And so Harry Neal went at that fan and shook him up a little bit. And then he got suspended, which he's like, I wasn't going to coach anymore. Rogers was Roger Nielsen was way better than me. So I just, I got suspended to open the door for Roger Nielsen. 
So quick numbers, Buffalo, Vancouver, Bob Solve, um, pretty successful against Vancouver, yep. seven, two, and eight. There's those eight ties that we love talking about. Uh, Craig Anderson, three and one. Marty Baron, one, three, and one Blech. with a 3.15. <laughs> but here's the good news. Dominic Hoshik, four and four, had a 3.4 and a worse save percentage than you. So, uh, yeah, in- interesting numbers. Deline's been the most uh, prolific against Vancouver of the current group with 10 points in seven games, and we'll see where it goes from here. But you had a Matt Cook memory you wanted to share? I have a lot of Matt Cook's memory because when the Vancouver Canucks farm team used to be the Syracuse Crunch. So we played the Syracuse Crunch 12 times a year with the Rochester Americans every year, right? And Matt Cook was there. It was Jack McAlardy, the coach of the Syracuse Crunch, and we had Brian McCutcheon, and those two hated each other. They wanted to fight and warm up. The coaches, so the players we joined in, right? I hated Matt Cook. And so we got to Vancouver one game and it's literally like five, one or six, one in a second. I know we're getting beaten up and the puck is in the corner. And I decide to go play the puck in the corner as Matt Cook is chasing the puck. As I touch the puck, I'm like, you know what? I can get my lick here. I am going to go after Matt Cook. I hammered him in the corner. And as he's just down in the corner, I decided it'd be fun to just throw blockers at him, right? And just want to unleash. Well, the problem was a guy like Brad May for Vancouver was on the ice. And at the other end, it was Felix Podvin, I believe, the, the goalie, which he was a tough cookie too. And I'm like, maybe I didn't think that through. Uh, I should have picked a better moment to go after Matt Cook. But yeah, I... Funny how all my stories lately is I went after John Graham. I went after Matt Cook. I remember the Ottawa brawl, right? It's like I was a fake tough guy, fake toughness tougher. You like that? But uh, I hated Matt Cook, hated Matt Cook. So uh, I saw an opportunity to really create something. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Is this on the front end of everybody hating Matt Cook? Like there was. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because Matt Cook did not. Matt Cook had a bit of a history in the uh, in the AHL. How dirty he was, mm-hmm. and sneaky he was. But not a lot of people knew what he was like because of you know being the AHL at the time. And yeah. you know, but when he got to Vancouver, it got a little bit worse. And then obviously he started moving from teams to teams, and always found himself in controversy. But man, I dropped a good right hand block or mm-hmm. bomb on Matt Cook as he was laying down. I feel like this was a clean hit. Yes. Um, and uh, although I'm not fair play, so I shouldn't be hitting people either. But it was a nice sh- hip shoulder action, and then a nice. Uh, it's like UFC when I, I you have a takedown and you jump on top of the guy and you just keep beating him. That's what I did with Matt Cook. I appreciated your efforts there. I was a big fan of it. And, uh, you know, Matt Cook obviously would uh, create oh, quite a reputation for himself from, uh, from you know, before that point and then moving forward. You didn't have to mention, though, the nickname of their AHL team because that was actually why Michael Pekka had that nickname yes. coming to Buffalo in the trade from Vancouver. He was already Captain Crunch because of his time, right? It wasn't that part of it? That's part of it. He was Captain Crunch playing for the Syracuse Crunch. And then in 1995 at the NHL draft in Edmonton, Alberta, that was my draft sitting in the crowd, right? And all of a sudden, it's uh, there's a trade to announce and the Vancouver Canucks and the Buffalo Sabres have uh, concluded a trade that sent Alexander McGillney to the Vancouver Canucks. And in return, the Sabres got Mike Wilson and Michael Pekka and a first-round pick. That first-round pick was used right away to draft Jay McKee. 
And so Jay Mickey got picked by the Sabres first in the 95 uh, NHL draft. I was picked a few draft picked later because mm-hmm. the Sabres ended up with two first round picks. So that trade, McGillney trade to Vancouver, again, a connection with Vancouver, allowed Jay Mickey and myself to become Sabres in the 95 NHL draft. Dana Goldman's coming up here on Sabres Live today. Lots to dive into, including the uh, developments as far as the PWHL. And Shana's going to really take us through, um, you know, this fascinating time for women's hockey. Yes, Marty? No, before we move on to Vegas, a quick story also on Vancouver Duffer. You've been there. Vancouver is a great city. Uh, it's got great food, great seafood. Like we all talk about Seattle, right? And how they have the, the market and the seafood. Vancouver is very similar. I remember one time we went to this seafood place in Vancouver and we're sitting at the uh, oyster bar and whatnot. And mm-hmm. the guy chucking out oysters or whatever, there was a pearl in one of them. And, and the <laughs> whole place went crazy, right? Because whoever orders the oyster is and that it, the pearl ended up in is supposed to keep it. So they like went to the table with the oyster and the pearl in it. And the whole place went crazy. I'd never seen anything like that, but yeah, it was Right there, as we were eating wow. at the oyster bar, that happened. Uh, I made a bad decision in Vancouver once. Oh, you went to the Roxy and you uh, stayed there too long. I stayed in Vancouver too long. It was in, <laughs> I don't remember, we were in Vancouver for a number of days. It was a really stretched out road trip. And the club was going from Vancouver to Montreal. It was Super Bowl weekend. So the game was Friday. The club was staying over and flying at some point Saturday. They were going to have all day Sunday, Super Bowl party, blah, blah, blah. Well, as you know, I tend to love my concerts. And Airborne Toxic Event was playing a benefit show. So very, very, very small, intimate thing. And I thought it would be smart to just, eh, I got lots of time. Like they don't play in Montreal until like Monday or Tuesday. It's, you know. Well, the show was fine, but when you make the decision to forego a cross-country flight on a charter and opt for commercial with about 10 to 12 seats across, and you're in the middle of winter and the middle of nothing but people blowing their nose and I was going to say, like, cold season and flu season. Oh, I was just, it was probably one of the only times I've ever regretted doing something spontaneous and going to a concert like that. I was like, I'm never passing up a cross country <laughs> flight on a charter ever again, but uh, you know, live and learn as they was the say. concert. Any good. It was fine. It was fine. It was more like for me, it was about supporting the band because they were yeah. doing good things. And um, so I was um, always happy to do that, but well, I uh, did catch probably the best uh, red hot chili pepper cover band ever. At mm-hmm. the Roxy in Vancouver one night after a game, we weren't flying. So we went there and it was incredible. Their energy was like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. They mm-hmm. were on stage crazy. And that was my first time at the Roxy. So I got the experience of a lifetime there. For those who don't know, it's like this really well-known like bar, but it's got bands playing and then they take a break and then there's a DJ. It's it's a pretty known place in uh in Vancouver. It's the best of Chippewa West. Let's put it that way. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was I going to say real quick on Vancouver? Mm, I'll have to save it for another time because we got to squeeze Vegas in real quick. Yes. 
Vegas and Buffalo have a very small history. <laughs> we have just 10 head-to-head games, yeah. four wins, four losses, two overtime decisions. The season series was split this year. The memory that stands out the most for you, for most fans, even though Jack had a big game in well, Buffalo this year, year which, yeah. which, which, which may stand out for a lot of we people. We didn't get to see audience. it on MSG, which was okay. It was on ESPN+. Plus. That's fine. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that is very true. The first ever meeting, Alex Tuck closing it out with an empty netter. This, this, I think for many people showed hope for what this new group of Sabres would become, right? Oh, absolutely. It was the game that uh, led to Jack Eichel's comments after the game, right? About what has never been this loud since I've been here and the whole thing, which was incredible. It built on this, this villain thing that we have for Jack Eichel a little bit. He responded with a hat trick. Uh, his next trip back, which was uh, good for him, but an empty net goal, the way Alex Tuck was able to score it, the work on the wall, down the ice, and from a bad angle, putting it in. And it was, look, it's it was a season where it, attendance were very low in the building, and that was one of the games where people were like, we're going, and every time Jack touches the puck, we're going to boo him. And then they showed a little video on the screen of Jack and his work off the ice, and they applauded him, and then he just up on the ice and boo right away. But the effort and uh, the fan support, it, it started. I feel like that game was the catalyst to a lot of other games that happened. And Alex Tuck was a leader in that game. And it was a pretty incredible moment. It was. And, uh, you know, Tuck is trending in the right direction. So many Sabre players are. But, of course, the Vegas Golden Knights are the reigning Stanley Cup champions. And did you know, despite, or some would say because of, their small sample size, they own this claim in NHL history. But, Marty, it's not close. They have the greatest point percentage of any team in oh, NHL yeah. history. They're at 632. Like, what an unbelievable start to franchise history this Vegas Golden Knights team has authored. It, yeah. it is truly remarkable. The misfits, right? Obviously, it yeah. started with uh, all these players coming in. But I think what uh, George McPhee uh, and the Washington, uh, the Washington Vegas Golden Knights did as they took advantage of an opportunity when nobody really knew how the pension draft was going to work and side deals. Uh, Seattle didn't get those side deals, uh, and but Ve- uh, Vegas did, and yeah, they they came in the first year, go to the finals, was a buzz in Vegas, all the fanfare around. You and I have been there a few times now with the Sabers and. Um, it's, it's, it's unique. It's unique. And they've definitely uh, blown the door right off its, uh, its hinges when they came into the league. Now they will hit at some point, some low moments. It's inevitable, but, uh, right now they've built a, a blueprint for success that has kept them going for a few years. Three bangers so far as road crew parties in Vegas are concerned yeah. since they came in. Holy cow. My buddy Clint Malachuk always uh, going and always enjoying the time that we spend with him and uh, yeah. and and more. It's been it's been incredible. It really has. Shana Goldman, speaking of that, is coming up next year on Sabres Live. And, of course, the season is just around the corner. Prospects Challenge in the middle of the month here now that we're into September. And just about a month after that, October 12th, is the home opener. We want to see you at Key Bank Center. There's no question about that. So head to sabres.com slash tickets. Um, because we have these 11 game plans available this year. Weekend plan, weekday plan, all-star plan. And not only does it get you in for 11 of the regular season games, but... You can enjoy significant savings from box office pricing and 
priority for playoff tickets. So get involved now, sabers.com slash tickets. Yes, Martin? I want to say shout out to Nancy at FedEx on Union, Union Road who got her quarter season plans. And she told me, make sure you say hi to Tage Thompson for me as well. So Tage, if you're listening, hi. But hey, just get involved. Quarter season tickets plans, weeknights, weekends, whatnot. She took weekends because it's easier. So it works out perfect for everybody. The perfect conduit to the fans. He is Marty Baran. I'm just <laughs> along for the ride. Shana Goldman next on Sabres Live. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.